Part 1, Chapter 2 of Quiet Talks on Prayer by S. D. Gordon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 1 The Meaning and Mission of Prayer. Chapter 2 Prayer the Deciding Factor in a Spirit Conflict. A Prehistoric Conflict. In its simplest meaning, prayer has to do with a conflict. Rightly understood, it is the deciding factor in a spirit conflict. The scene of the conflict is the earth. The purpose of the conflict is to decide the control of the earth and its inhabitants. The conflict runs back into the misty ages of the creation time. The rightful prince of the earth is Jesus, the king's son. There is a pretender prince who was once rightful prince. He was guilty of a breach of trust. But like King Saul, after his rejection and David's anointing in his place, he has been and is trying his best by dint of force to hold the realm and oust the rightful ruler. The rightful prince is seeking by utterly different means, namely by persuasion, to win the world back to its first allegiance. He had a fierce set to with the pretender, and after a series of victories won the great victory of the resurrection morning. There is a peculiarity of this conflict making it different from all others, namely a decided victory, and the utter vanquishing of the leading general has not stopped the war. And the reason is remarkable. The victor has a deep love ambition to win not merely against the enemy, but into men's hearts by their free consent. And so, with marvellous love-born wisdom and courage, the conflict is left open for men's sake. It is a spirit conflict. The earth is swung in a spirit atmosphere. There are unnumbered thousands of spirit beings, good and evil, tramping the earth's surface and filling its atmosphere. They are splendidly organized into two compact organizations. Man is a spirit being, an embodied spirit being. He has a body and a mind. He is a spirit. His real conflicts are of the spirit sort, in the spirit realm, with other spirit beings. Satan is a spirit being, an unembodied spirit being, that is, unembodied, save as in much cunning, with deep, dark purpose, he secures embodiment in human beings. The only sort of power that influences in the spirit realm is moral power, by which is not meant goodness, but that sort of power, either bad or good, which is not of a physical sort. That higher, infinitely higher, and greater power than the mere physical. Moral power is the opposite of violent or physical power. God does not use force, violent physical force. There are some exceptions to this statement. There have been righteous wars, righteous on one side. Turning to the Bible record, in emergencies, in extreme instances, God has ordered war measures. The nations that Israel was told to remove by the death of war would have inevitably worn themselves out through their physical excesses and disobedience of the laws of life. But a wide view of the race revealed an emergency which demanded a speedier movement, and as an exception, for the sake of his plan for the ultimate saving of a race and a world, God gave an extermination order. The emergency makes the exception. 
there is one circumstance under which the taking of human life is right, namely when it can be clearly established that God, the giver and sovereign of life, has so directed. But the rule clearly is that God does not use force. But note sharply in contrast with this that physical force is one of Satan's chief weapons. But mark there two intensely interesting facts. First, he can use it only as he secures man as his ally, and uses it through him. And second, in using it, he has with great subtlety sought to shift the sphere of action. He knows that in the sphere of spirit force, pure and simple, he is at a disadvantage. Indeed, worse yet, he is defeated, for there is a moral force on the other side greater than any at his command. The forces of purity and righteousness he simply cannot withstand. Jesus is the personification of purity and righteousness. It was on this moral ground, in this spirit sphere, that he won the great victory. He ran a terrific gauntlet of tests, subtle and fierce, through those human years, and came out victor with his purity and righteousness unstained. Prayer is projecting one's spirit personality. Now prayer is a spirit force. It has to do wholly with spirit beings and forces. It is an insistent claiming by a man, an embodied spirit being, down on the contested earth, that the power of Jesus' victory over the great evil spirit chieftain shall extend to particular lives now under his control. The prayer takes on the characteristic of the man praying. He is a spirit being. It becomes a spirit force. It is a projecting into the spirit realm of his spirit personality. Being a spirit force, it has certain qualities or characteristics of unembodied spirit beings. An unembodied spirit being is not limited by space as we embodied folk are. It can go as swiftly as we can think. If I want to go to London, it will take me at least a week's time to get my body through the intervening space. But I can think myself into London more quickly than I can say the words and be walking down the strand. Now a spirit being can go as quickly as I can think. Further, spirit beings are not limited by material obstructions such as the walls of this building. When I came in here today, I came in by this door. You all came in by these doors. We were obliged to come in either by doors or windows. But the spirit beings who are here listening to us and deeply concerned with our discussion, they came in through the walls or the roof if they were above us or through the floor here if they happened to be below this level. Prayer has these qualities of spirit beings, of not being limited by space or by material obstacles. Prayer is really projecting my spirit, that is, my real personality, to the spot concerned, and doing business there with other spirit beings. For example, there is a man in a city on the Atlantic seaboard for whom I pray daily. It makes my praying for him very tangible and definite to recall that every time I pray, my prayer is a spirit force instantly traversing the space in between him and me, and going without hindrance through the walls of the house where he is, and influencing the spirit beings surrounding him, and so influencing his own will. 
when it became clear to me some few years ago that my master would not have me go yet to those parts of the earth where the need is greatest, a deep tinge of disappointment came over me. Then, as I realized the wisdom of his sovereignty in service, it came to me anew that I could exert a positive influence in those lands for him by prayer. As many others have done, I marked out a daily schedule of prayer. There are certain ones for whom I pray by name at certain intervals, and it gives great simplicity to my faith and great gladness to my heart to remember that every time such prayer is breathed out, my spirit personality is being projected yonder, and in effect I am standing in Shanghai and Calcutta and Tokyo in turn and pleading the power of Jesus' victory over the evil one there and on behalf of those faithful ones standing there for God. It is a fiercely contested conflict. Satan is a trained strategist and an obstinate fighter. He refuses to acknowledge defeat until he must. It is the fight of his life. Strange as it may seem, and perhaps absurd, he apparently hopes to succeed. If we knew all, it might seem less strange and absurd because of the factors on his side. There is surely much down in the world of the sort which we can fully appreciate to give colour to his expectations. Prayer is insisting upon Jesus' victory and the retreat of the enemy on each particular spot and heart and problem concerned. The enemy yields only what he must. He yields only what is taken. Therefore the ground must be taken step by step. Prayer must be definite. He yields only when he must, therefore the prayer must be persistent. He continually renews his attacks, therefore the ground taken must be held against him in the victor's name. This helps to understand why prayer must be persisted in after we have full assurance of the result, and even after some immediate results have come, or after the general results have commenced coming. GIVING GOD A FRESH FOOTING The victor's best ally in this conflict is the man who, while he remains down on the battlefield, puts his life in full touch with his saviour victor, and then incessantly, insistently, believingly claims victory in Jesus' name. He is the one foe among men whom Satan cannot withstand. He is projecting an irresistible spirit force into the spirit realm. Satan is obliged to yield. We are so accustomed through history's long record to seeing victories won through force, physical force alone, that it is difficult for us to realize that moral force defeats as the other never can. Witness the demons in the Gospels and in modern days in China. Footnote. Demon Possession by J. L. Nevius Clearly against their own set purpose, notwithstanding intensest struggle on their part, obliged to admit defeat, and even to ask favours of their conqueror. The records of personal Christian service give fascinating instances of fierce opposition, utterly subdued, and individuals transformed through such influence. Had we eyes to see spirit beings, and spirit conflicts, we would constantly see the enemy's defeat in numberless instances through the persistent praying of someone allied to Jesus in the spirit of his life. 
every time such a man prays it is a waving of the red-dyed flag of jesus christ above satan's head in the spirit world every such man who freely gives himself over to god and gives himself up to prayer is giving god a new spot in the contested territory on which to erect his banner of victory the japanese struggled for weeks to get a footing on the port arthur peninsula even after the naval victories had practically rendered russia helpless on the seas it was an unusual spectacle to witness such difficulty in getting a landing after such victories but with the bulldog tenacity that has marked her fighting japan fought for a footing nothing could be done till a footing was gotten prayer is man giving god a footing on the contested territory of this earth the man in full touch of purpose with god praying insistently praying that man is god's footing on the enemy's soil the man wholly given over to god gives him a new sub-headquarters on the battlefield from which to work out and the holy spirit within that man on the new spot will insist on the enemy's retreat in jesus the victor's name that is prayer shall we not every one of us increase god's footing down upon his prodigal earth end of part 1 chapter 2